0: Hey, everybody. Steve here with Local Level Podcast. I'm sitting here with Max Barrick. He's co- uh, back on the show remotely. This is uh, a, a returning guest. He's working for the Garfinkel Group now. He's a worker side employment lawyer. And we're going to talk about, uh, you know, how employment uh, has been affected, and employment law and the space that he's in has been impacted by COVID 19 and, you know, kind of all the craziness that's been going on. So it's a pleasure to have you back on, Max.
1: Thanks for having me back, Steve. Um, It's going to be back, I guess, uh, remotely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny because this is the second time that I've done. Well, I guess it's the second time I've had a guest now. So it's always weird getting the sound right. So for the audience, if the sound is weird, you got to forgive us because uh, that's just how it goes when you do these things remote. Um, But uh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, at least this time, Bears-Packers won't be going on in the background, so it, it, it might be quieter, <laughs> even if it's muffled or, or goofy otherwise.
0: That's right. Yeah, last time we were recording at Rep's Place. Obviously, that's a sports bar, so we were uh, in the midst of uh, a big, big game, and uh, if you look back at that past episode, it was a few episodes back, you'll be able to hear the, the points where it kind of got a, a little rowdy in the background, so... Um, Either way though, check out that episode because it's the introduction for Max and uh, we covered a lot of really, really great topics there and um, it'll be a supplement to what we're going to talk about today. Um, One of the things, one of the big things is you made a uh, shift. You you switched firms. Can you tell us about the shift?
1: Sure. So uh, when we last spoke, I was with a firm out in the Northwest suburbs, the uh, the Favaro and Gorman. Uh, I'd been there. I ended up, when it was all said and done, I think I was there just about three years, maybe a couple, couple weeks more to the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I did leave in between. We're on very good terms. We've sent business back and forth since then. It's not like there's bad blood where if you call him up, you know, they'll say, never say his name in my presence or anything like right. that. Right. Um, yeah, it, the, the short version of it basically is I met my law partner, um, at the daily center, which is, um, circuit court of cook County, downtown, um, A lot of people have seen it in Blues Brothers or or other movies like that. Although I guess that's a dated reference now. Um, (laughs) Cook County, despite being one of the biggest court systems in the country, there are uh, a wide array of documents you can't get online there that should be, but just aren't available. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was standing in line on the seventh floor at I think one of three computers in the entire building where you could get certain stuff. And the yeah, and the person who ended up being my law partner was standing next to me, and we kind of start you know just talking and. I'm always networking and trying to, you know, meet people and meet other lawyers and, uh, just cause I've never been sad about a networking introduction or meeting somebody like that. And, um, we got to talking and Haskell started sending some business my way and he ended up working on a case on his own towards the end of last year, uh, that my firm wasn't able to get involved with for different reasons. It was a me too type case. Um, the details of which I can't really get into, but at the end of it, he sort of said, "You know, we work really well together." I, I was unofficially sort of just talking him through it, giving him guidance um, and my own uh, my own opinion on things. And he said, "You know, well, shoot. We should try to do this together." And we spent some time talking. And after a few months, um, I let my firm know that I'd be leaving, and we kind of talked about how that would look. And uh, Haskell and I set out on our own, and uh, we've been doing it together. I guess, I don't know how many months of time is sort of a construct to me right now, Steve, I don't really have a great concept (laughs) of it, but however much time has passed since February 3rd is how long we've been doing this together.
0: Wow. Wow. And, uh, I guess it's same, same type of work, just a different, uh, banner, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, we are doing exactly the same thing. We do plaintiff side or worker side employment law. I, depending on who you ask, I call myself a civil rights lawyer, but, but generally, yeah, we're doing that. We're advocating on behalf of workers. Um, in various workplace disputes, but same thing I was doing before, uh, obviously little differences in how we go about doing things, but, but same idea. So to the extent, you know, anybody heard us on that past podcast, you know, what I do has not changed just sure. where I do it has.
0: Well, I would imagine that, that, uh, things have changed just because the circumstances have changed as far as how you conduct business. Um, you have, can you tell us a little bit about kind of the changes in, in the, your day to day, uh, work experience work, you know, kind of workflow.
1: Sure, uh before all this started, one of the biggest changes was my commute got shorter yeah. uh, i was I was driving about twenty eight miles each way, uh trying to be on the road by six thirty a m so um that's you know different. That's great. Uh, I'm
0: in, sure that's great.
1: <laughs> it is. It's amazing how much time you've got added to your day when you don't have to really go too far. right. Um, besides that, there are some differences. Our practice right now is pretty contingency based, so what that means basically. If you ever see some of those, and I'm not saying the lawyers bad are bad, but the commercials are sometimes not well-produced, we'll say, sure. uh, the kind of cheap personal injury lawyer commercials where it's like, we only get paid if you do. Um, we do mostly that. So my old firm did a lot more hourly work. Uh, our focus is more on getting people in the door and mm-hmm. helping them knowing that you're probably not in a position to pay up front. So right. our focus is on that. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with that or that firm. They're They're really good at what they do we just wanted to do things a little different. Okay. Um, so that's one aspect of it. I would say, you know, being a new firm, we're trying to get systems up and moving. Um, it's just the two of us. There's no support staff like there was before, which, um, you know, is, is less than ideal at this point. But, uh, um, but you know, it's new like any other venture. And, um, those things are different. Otherwise it's basically the, you know, the day to day really has not changed much. Um, COVID has changed things and just my day to day has changed just cause I think, I don't know that it's had anything to do with my change. I've gotten busier, um, and there've been more demands on my time. Um, I've been doing a lot of speaking this since the calendar year turned. Um, I, since COVID started, I think I've done two or three different, uh, education programs. I've with others helped put on just how employment law has been affected by all this. So there's been a lot of that going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's an uptick in calls. I think it's unu- I think it's unique to the economy and to the law field uh, what I do. Um, a lot of plaintiff side lawyers, so people who do workers' compensation, you know, work-related injuries or personal injury. I think a lot of them are pretty slow right now because for the injury lawyers, nobody's going out getting in car accidents, tripping and falling anywhere, or right. anything else that would give rise to what they do. Right. Um, and for the workers' comp people, a lot of blue-collar folks are at home right now kind of riding the bench because it's not safe for them to be out there. So Mm -hmm. people aren't getting hurt. Uh, we're unique because people are getting fired all the time right now and laid off and furloughed and what have you. Um, and other workplace violations, you know, are still going on. So we're, we're still busy. Lucky for us, I guess. Um, I, I don't know how long that'll go on. I guess, you know, if things keep going like this, we'll see, but But for right now, that's a long answer to a short question of how things have changed, I guess.
0: Well, there's a lot of things packed into that. Yeah. And one of the things that comes to mind with COVID and tell me if I if this is outside of your realm. But I would imagine there might be some instances of people uh, feeling that they were put in harm's way by their employer. Um, You would be the person to kind of contact if, if that was an issue. Is that right? I mean, if there was like a. You know, you weren't provided the the equipment that you needed to safely do your job or you were asked to do things that put you in front of people where there was no protection. Does that fall into your realm?
1: It does. That's that's exactly in my realm. Uh, It's not always like I said on the first time we did this, like everything else in employment law, there's a lot of things that happen that are really not okay. if that makes sense, for lack of a better term. Right. But may not be something I can myself fix. But there may be fixes to be had. So I'll, I'll give you two ways that that might look. Sure. Um, the first one is just you're being asked to work in an unsafe environment. They're not giving you equipment or like, you know, that the guy at the cubicle or at the, I don't know, the widget machine or wherever you work, you know, that guy's been hacking up a lung and that his wife had or, or husband or what have you had, sure. you know, COVID and you're being told, no, you don't get gloves. No, you're not allowed to take breaks to wash your hands. Go stand next to the guy who's coughing and hope for the best.
0: Yeah. Do like, your job. Do your job. Yeah.
1: Right. Um, We're seeing a lot of that right now. And I mean, even Uh, without getting political at the government level, you're hearing politicians tell people to do that, um, which I think is hurtful. Um, OSHA and different government agencies, even though I may not be able to get like, I can't pick up a phone and call an employer as somebody's lawyer and say, you got to stop doing this because it just doesn't work that way. Right. But people like that, I can direct to the right agencies. So OSHA, for example, uh, occupational safety and oh god, now I'm forgetting what the acronym is, but it's the (laughs) federal government agency. Uh, designated for investigating workplace safety issues, among other things, sure um, I might direct somebody like that in that direction um, or to some other agency depending on where you work that might be able to do an investigation or look into workplace safety that 's going on u s Department of Labor State Department of Labor, somebody like that yeah um, the other situation is somebody who gets fired basically for being for complaining or refusing about it, and that is something I could probably fix, not fix but get involved with.
0: Well, you know, before you go on, I mean, we've heard several stories, particularly about like Amazon, for instance, which was a huge high profile one where, you know, people were complaining, uh, like saying they were calling them whistleblowers, basically, that they were saying that the conditions were unsafe and they're not doing anything about it. And then they fired the people. They fired everybody involved. What does that look like if you're if that was your client? How would you advise that type of person?
1: So that's a really good question. So I've read broad strokes about it, so I don't want to speak to that specific case. But generally speaking, um, what I advise somebody like that, I guess it really depends, like, what are your goals? Like, is your goal to keep your job um, and hope that you can get the workplace fixed? Or is your goal to blow the whistle consequences be damned, so to speak? In other words, like you believe in this, you're willing to risk the consequences and what have you. Yeah. Um, If it's the first one, You know, my recommendation is going to be to anonymously complain, figure out, you know, call a lawyer, do some research, figure out what government agency would or could be investigating or protecting workers in my job. Mm -hmm. You know, if you work in food processing, might that be the FDA, might that be the state or federal Department of Labor, might that be OSHA, you know, consider that and maybe go to that agency quietly without exposing yourself, Um, if you do want to actively blow the whistle, knowing that you may get fired and you're willing to kind of let the law uh, be the the hammer of justice on that, then it's a different question. In that case, I'm telling you, you first probably want to contact an attorney to do it with them. But ultimately, what you're going to end up doing is either refusing to work in those conditions and probably putting in writing, I'm refusing to do this because I think it's a a violation of health and safety standards. Um, I am specifically objecting because of this and I refuse to do this. Uh, if they, the reason I'm kind of giving that instruction or the other one would be to complain to the government agency and then put in writing to your employer that you're the one who did it, that you did it as protected whistleblowing activity and that they can't take retaliation, you know, retaliatory measures against you. Mm. Um, the way these cases work so there's something called retaliatory discharge, which I don't remember if I mentioned on our first call, but it basically is one of the very few exceptions to at-will employment. And it basically, it, it, historically, it was just for, you can't get fired for filing a work compensation claim. But what it's morphed into is it also protects whistleblowers. So if the, there's a, an action under the Illinois Whistleblower Act, and then you can do it just on judge-created law, so common law. So at common law... If the firing violates public policy, it's a problem. So what I mean by that is if it's a, an issue of public safety that affects the public at large, not yeah. just my personal paycheck or my shoes are tight, too tight today, something, but sure. something that affects everybody, even if it just applies to you. Like I am being asked to work in conditions that like guarantee I'm going to get this virus and that affects everybody and they fire you for refusing to do it or reporting it. Um, then you've got a cause of action for a whistleblower claim. Now, they're going to deny it and they're going to say there are all these other reasons. But if it's like a day or a week or the same day that you do this, you know, I'm in a much better position to help you.
0: Yeah. It's unfortunate because, you know, a lot of these things is, you know, I I wouldn't imagine. I mean, obviously, there's there's people on both sides of that spectrum where people want to keep their job and people want to blow the whistle to protect other people and probably both, you know, in in most cases. Um, Right. But you know, for for that particular case and for cases like it, I would imagine you know, now is not the time to get fired. Now is not the time to do some, to to make a big stink. Most of the time, because if you do get fired, you lose your health insurance. So, you know, you could lose a lot of different things. You could lose your life if you get sick afterwards and don't have, you know, the care that you need. So it's uh, there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different things going into play here. And you know, that's a example of a large corporation and. You know, that's a a legal battle and I'm sure they're going to follow all the rules and, you know, everything's going to be, you know, for the most part legal uh, how they operate. But for the small business owner, the warehouse employee, the person that doesn't really have too much uh, education on these types of, you know, uh, uh, topics, what uh, what are some of the things that you can tell the audience uh, whether it's employers or employees working at these types of places, what are some of the things that are do not do that are that are no nos that are against the law that aren't are things that you know you can you can actually catch some heat for, you know.
1: So that's a good question. So on the employer side, let me go to the last one first. Even though sure. I don't do a ton of work for businesses, I do advise some, and I you know I if businesses follow the law and do everything they're supposed to do, I don't have a job,
0: you know? Right.
1: So, so to that end, you know, one of the things I would point out is you, there are a lot of free resources that are available to you. Um, The U S department of labor has been actually pretty good. And a couple other agencies, the equal employment opportunity commission, the EEOC, Mm -hmm. um, a bunch of these federal agencies have put out free guidelines and instructions and just general guidance that you can use to kind of guide what you're doing right now. Um, that helps explain a lot of these new laws that are getting passed kind of in quick succession and how to work with them. Mm -hmm. But you know, my, my first suggestion would be basically don't fire people for complaining. You know, this is a really difficult time. And, um, I think people on both sides are scared. Yeah. Um, for other business owners, the other thing I would say is just—I said it last time, but I'll say it again. Like you, if you can afford it or you can find a way to do it, I strongly encourage them to talk to a lawyer about this stuff. Just get some guidance because this is really complicated. Like yeah. I've had to educate myself. These—they keep passing these laws, and the defense lawyers I know in particular are like, I, I don't know when these people are sleeping because like these laws keep getting passed. And then they pass another one and it's like, they got to scramble to figure out what's in it. What's the federal guidance going to be? What are the department of labor regulations for how this is going to look going to say, so if you can swing it, talk to a lawyer, if you can't look at those guidelines and call the agencies. Sometimes they have resources for employers, you know, they're there for both sides. I mean, maybe department of labor is theoretically there for workers, but their jobs are easier if they have less to do. So they have stuff for employers too. So you know, my first suggestion would be talk to a lawyer. If you can't do that, really look for some of these free resources and look to the CDC guidelines, look to the public health guidelines that are out there and just try to try to do as much as you can without crippling your business to help protect your workforce and make them give them a reason to feel safe. Yeah. You know, give them a reason to trust you
0: mm-hmm. now. Now. OK. Now, the, the second part of that question, um, you know, was for workers. Uh, for workers. So what are, what are some of the red flags? Where if you do get laid off or you you feel like maybe you got your hours cut or they're saying that, oh, well, you know, we can't give you health insurance because whatever, I I don't know. I mean, there's a million things out there probably, but what are some of the things to look out for if you're an employee?
1: So it's really tricky because like I said, this is a really hard time for everybody. But one of the things I've been seeing a lot of, I'll give you one example of something I'm seeing. One thing I've been seeing a lot of is employers cutting hours, cutting, they're not furloughing or laying people off directly because that, I think, at core would late down the road affect their unemployment insurance and their premiums can go up. So I think what they're thinking is it'll be cheaper for them to just kind of slash hours rather than cut people altogether. That's what I'm seeing. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, with the PPP loans and all that, you know, I mean, that's it. You, You get to keep the money if you keep your employees. So you right. don't you don't want to fire everybody. And I mean, for the most part, people don't want to fire their employees anyway. I mean, right. you know, I mean, most businesses that are that are decent people, they want to keep as many people employed as possible. Um, uh, unfortunately, things are pretty rough, rough right now. This is a different situation. So everybody's kind of falling on these different things and everybody's trying to feed their family. So, you know, they're, they're trying to cut back. But, yeah, you do fall into that twilight zone part, uh, where you got to cut people back and now, you know, there's, there's a lot of repercussions going on. So I just, man, it's gotta be tough for you.
1: Well, I'm seeing a lot of stuff I've never seen before. That that's one thing is just, I'm getting questions on legal issues that I just genuinely have not seen before and like, can't give an off the cuff answer. I, I'm, I'm saying a lot of, that's a really good question. I just don't have the answer as we sit here. Give me a couple of days or give me a couple of hours to kind of, um, get to the bottom of it. But but one thing so your question was uh what's something to watch out for. So yes. they're generally these employers, depending on if you have a contract, if you have a union collective bargaining agreement or if you have nothing, you know, there's a lot of leeway to alter hours and pay structures, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But you still gotta be making the minimum wage. So if they're asking you to work for free, that's not a thing. There's no such thing as volunteering under state and federal law. You gotta be paid something. Yeah. You gotta be paid at least the minimum wage. Um, Most of the time, depending on what your industry is, but the general rule. But the other thing is, if they're asking you or they're saying, Well, you earned X, but we don't have money anymore, so you're just giving that up, there's a difference between we're cutting your hours or we're paying you less per hour and we're not paying you what you've already earned. So that's one thing you could watch out for. So, like in these situations, like let's say you're in sales and you've sold. I know there's always usually very complicated sales agreements, but let's say you sell widgets because that's all I can think of right now. You sell widgets yeah. and um, you know, you're know you entitled to a commission or a bonus and mm-hmm. they say, sorry, uh, even though you completed the sale, the customer paid, the the goods have been delivered. We're not paying you anymore because we're cutting wages. Well, there's a difference between we're not going to pay you as much anymore and we're not paying you for what you've already – Yeah what we already have to pay you. Yeah. So that's, that's an easy one to watch for, I think is a simple one.
0: Yeah. That, that one uh, hits close to home because I mean, there's, there's, there, I can definitely see a lot of sales companies where maybe they, they have a sale, a commission structure where they get paid down the road. Once the payment comes in and, you know, in my industry in particular, you know, I'll start projects and I have people that I pay out, when the project is completed and they work throughout the project and get paid like at the end, you know? So right. some of those projects, large projects in particular, um, have been put on hold indefinitely just because they right. don't know if they're even going to open again. You know I right. mean? So it's a, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a very difficult situation. So how do you navigate that? I mean, is that, So for me in particular, you know, I always pay somebody an upfront amount as like a deposit. Like this is a to start like, you know, you made the sale. Here's your thing. And then whatever. Um, But for 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 lots of people that the money is never going to come. And now you you have hourly employees and you have to pay them a a, a base rate. How do you navigate that? Is that illegal? How does that what is it? What do you do? You know, what can you expect? How much can you it can expect from somebody that doesn't have the money in the bank account? You know,
1: it's really hard. This is a really bad time for a lot of people. I mean, I don't remember what the numbers were, but I, I don't know. The last unemployment late rate I read over the weekend was like 14 percent or 20. 20- it's bad, right? Like yes. things it, it's it, you come to appreciate how complicated and intricate the economy is. Yes. That one like I, I I've had a lot of cases that not against railroads, but that involve railroads and what I've learned is it's not just, oh, there are trains, mm-hmm. they ship freight, they deliver people. There are all these little industries, like cottage industries, that yes. are like offshoots of the railroad people whose job is just take railroad employees once their train arrives from point A to point B and mm-hmm. bring them back. Wow. Uh, businesses that just house them. like So things like that. Okay, maybe fewer trains are going. So that means – you know, this other company isn't needing to ferry people as much. So they're laying people off. So that means this other company is affected. So it's just, you know, up and down. So with what you're talking about, you know, generally my understanding and the way I've read the law is that it's okay in a sales setting to make payment contingent on completion of the deal. So like for what you're talking about, you know, you sell whatever, but the deal's not complete until they get their stuff, and that's understood. And if you leave the company beforehand, it's understood and they've agreed in a contract, you don't get paid if you leave three months, you know, for example, before the commissions are you know before the ad company yeah. actually pays us, that's okay. What's not okay is them doing everything up until the point of payment, and then you firing them, you know yeah the like, day
0: before. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah.
1: The the big case on that in Illinois was this case against Walmart from thirty from like I think before I was born. Um maybe not, I don't it was a long time ago, certainly before I was, you know, functional. Yeah. But um are basically there was a deal with supervisors where like if you made it through the Christmas season, you got a bonus and this person made it until like the day before, and then they were like, Oh, sorry, we don't want you anymore. And it was like very clearly just to get out from underpaying the bonus or the commission. Yeah. So like that's not okay. But if they can't complete the project anymore one of the things that's weird about employment laws, is there is a lot of case by case basis. Sure. Stuff. I would imagine, it's very yeah. fact intensive. Yes. Um, you know, you try to do your best. You try to get advised on what the law is, get good advice and, and just try to do what's right and what's best for you and, and your company. And to the extent you can, your workers, um, I, maybe people are going to take it personally, but I think everybody realizes right now, things are really bad. And so yeah. uh, we're all tightening our belts in different ways.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a, it's, it's a, a, a struggle daily for everybody to kind of figure out where we are today and what's going to be going on tomorrow. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think anybody has the answers anywhere. Uh, I don't know when they will, but uh, it's, it's um, people got to eat, you know, people got to survive. And I think that there, I hope not, but I would imagine that there will be a lot of people that are trying to do anything that they can to get money out of anybody. Um, and lawsuits is a good way to do that. A lot of times, um, unfortunately for the business owners, even if they're not acting in bad faith, there's going to be a, a a level of people, you know, if they have a a large amount of employees, then there's going to be a percentage that are going to be trying to just do whatever they can, which is, is understandable. But, uh, have you seen anything like that go on yet? And, uh, and what, what do you expect those types of, uh. Cases and claims to be about.
1: So you're talking about people kind of just going after the employer for nothing at this point,
0: I wouldn't say nothing, but anything that's possible.
1: So there's a lot of different things I'm seeing at this point. I mean, people are getting let go left and right. So the calls, the calls I'm getting are like anything from like, you know, I was told my job was safe and then I got let go to you know, different cost-cutting measures that companies are employing. And it's like, well, I'm getting let go for this. Is this legal? Um, it, it's, it's odd. Like, I know a lot of employment lawyers, some are slower, and some are getting a lot of calls. And either it's stuff we just can't do anything about because people have the right, generally speaking, business owners are going to have the right to let people go, especially if they're at will yeah. or to lay people off. And, um, I mean, I think that's out there. One of the things that I'm anticipating we're going to see and I don't, I don't have anything to base this on. It's just how I kind of sure. foreseeing things is sure. that courts, courts, where there's a close call on a discrimination case or something along those lines, I think COVID is going to be a bit of a trump card at times, and that's not going to help someone like me or the people I represent. It's going to be like, well, it's a close call, but it pretty, you know, you were pretty clearly fired or whatever happened to you happened, right after COVID got bad. Yeah. And the business was slashing jobs left and right. I don't see how, you know, the justification that the business is going to give is, I think, going to be, get, not that it wasn't considered before, but I think people are going to look longer and harder at that excuse because I think a lot of the time it's going to be true. Things are just really bad. You're the low person on the chain. Unfortunately, you know, yeah. it's a really bad time to get let go.
0: Yeah, it is. It uh, really is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, it's, it's so sad. You know, because, yeah. you know, a lot of these people getting let go, they, they didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, there, there's nothing that anybody's going to be able to do to help them. You know, the government's not going to pay their bills forever. You know, it's not, you know, your rent still has to get paid. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's a really sad time. But
1: I, I think some things that have happened have helped a little bit. Like I got a call right when this was starting. A personal injury lawyer, a mentor of mine called me up and said, hey, I've got this longtime client his wife works at a supermarket. He has some help. I don't remember what he had, but he had something where, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking like early March still, like where it had gotten bad and people were starting to socially distance and not go in. Yeah. But like, at least locally, governor Pritzker hadn't put in place the shelter in place order. The federal government hadn't done anything yet. And at that point, the question was my wife, my doctor said, I cannot be exposed to this. My wife works in a supermarket. At that point in time, there was no allowance for unemployment or paid leave for I have a sick family member who could die if I get this right. or I'm exposed to it and I bring it home. So at that point in time, like that poor guy, it was sort of like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. The way the store is saying it at this – as of this moment, it may change is correct. Your wife doesn't really have anything. If she refuses to go in, they can let her go and you're you know even more screwed than you are now. And in his case, it was like they didn't have any other family and they had he had to go into a nursing home. And given what I know of what's happened in nursing homes yeah. during all of this, wow. I don't know that that's a better place for him. But what options did he have? The good news is after that conversation, I don't remember how long after, like I said, I've lost all concept of time over the last two months. Yeah. Um, federal action was passed where like there was paid leave for people like her, where you have a sick family member who's at risk or you could have been eligible for unemployment benefits with that sweetener by the federal government, the $600 or what have you, um, because you have a sick family member and you can't expose them to it. So some things have gotten a little better, but it's not enough. Um, And the other thing that we're seeing a bit in my field and that we think is going to happen is there's going to be an uptick in lawsuits because there's just other violations and people are sloppy. Of course. A a lot of companies that are looking to screw people, and that's not most of them. I don't want to paint with bad you know, a broad brush, right? But people that are already inclined to do that are just going to use this excuse. Oh yeah. Um.
0: <laughs> one of the one of the things. I mean, a lot of things. If if there was ever a time to screw people, this is the time to do it. You know, because everything, like you said, is going to get swept under the rug for for the most part, unless it's just an egregious thing that you did. Um, because who? Are, what do they? what are you going to do? You You know, everybody's, if you're out of business, especially, you know, I mean, what are you going to do about it? But, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a tough time. And, you know, I think that, uh, I think that you're definitely going to get very busy. (laughs) So (laughs) I guess that's good for you. Um, uh, I've, I've gotten busier for certain things. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot, it's, you know, th- this happened to me, this happened to you, this happened to everybody and it affects us all kind of differently and in, in different ways. But, you know, one of the things in my business in particular, you know, doing like marketing for, for restaurants and bars and companies and stuff is, you know, this, this shutdown happened on St. Patrick's day. Oh, so, yeah. you know, so like, as you can imagine doing, all, gearing up all that marketing, all the money that people spent Preparing for the busy season, for, for sports to start, for, yeah. you know, everything. March Madness. Up. Yeah. March Madness, everything going on all at once. And then them hiring people, expecting a surge, because this is the time, you know, they'll, they'll hire people. Right. And, uh, and, and then, you know, they're closed on the day it's supposed to start. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty crazy, uh, 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 you know, set of, you know, kind of a time, time frame there. And you said, when you were talking here that that there's a lot of things that they have done to help. Okay. Um, And obviously it's never enough because you're never going to save everybody. Uh, Some people are going to come out. All right. Some people aren't, but what are some of the things that they have done that people uh, can kind of look towards um, because n- people aren't paying attention to the laws that are being passed on a daily basis. Not everybody's glued to the news. Not everybody's aware of the things that are happening. They just know, okay, I got $1,200. What am I going to do this month? You know, uh, maybe I'm not laid off yet. I don't get unemployment. So what are some of the, the resources that workers have? Um, some of the things that, that have been passed, some of the kind of safeguards in place that you're aware of that you can kind of point these people into that, in in that, in the right direction, as far as covering their expenses and, you know, helping themselves out.
1: It's a really good question. Uh, the federal government really has not done enough, but at the state level, I mean, they've done some things, um, you know, obviously the $1,200 check, if you got it, uh, my, my understanding is, you know, that was not exactly rolled out with flying colors. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the state level, the easiest one I can point to is unemployment benefits. And forgive me for not giving you something different. No, that's um, fine. If you look at a state like Florida, where they have a governor, again, without going into the politics of who did what, but their last governor, what I have read and my understanding is that he kind of set up the unemployment system, their new one, uh, to make it pretty hard to get what you need, to make it a pretty Byzantine bureaucratic system where it's easy to get denied. And the problem is now you have all these people applying and it's like the system's not even really designed to work mm-hmm. um, versus here. Governor Pritzker very quickly waived one of the things he did. So normally the assumption is you are eligible for unemployment benefits, assuming you didn't do what's called misconduct, mm-hmm. uh, engage in misconduct. And the easiest example I give is just don't steal from your employer. Like, that's the easy one. Like, yeah. did you steal something? Yes. OK, you're ineligible. Um, <laughs> and that's still the case, by the way. That has not changed. Don't steal. But uh, sure. uh to to be eligible, normally you have to be actively looking for work and you can't be unemployed by your own doing, right? Yeah. So you can't have just no call, no showed work, decided, you know what, F this. I've had it with these people, I'm done. i you know, I put up with this, I'm not coming in anymore. Well, you've no show it's job abandonment, that's misconduct, and you don't get it. Now, however, there are some nuances to it. So the first thing they changed is they waived the 1 week waiting period. So the line is still very busy. It is really hard to get through on the phone. Yeah. Uh the system will still sometimes crash just cuz even the best of these systems were not designed for like
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know, millions of people at once getting at it. Right. But um they've waived the 1 week waiting period in Illinois. So that's really good. You can be eligible right off the bat. Uh the at, the requirement that you be actively looking for work has also been waived temporarily. As long as you can show that you are willing and able to go right back when things change. So let's say like you've been temporarily furloughed and your employer says, look, I really hate to do this to you. I know you've got kids to feed, but so do I. My overhead is this. We didn't get one of those federal government loans that would have allowed us to keep you. We're sort of screwed no matter the payroll tax cut that we have as the alternative is not going to help us because our bank account is empty. I don't have a choice. I got to let you go. But if we get some money, I will bring you back if that's your situation and you're sitting, I mean, everybody's applying places, but nobody's hiring. Right. So yeah. if you're sitting by the phone effectively waiting and they call you and you, you're ready to take that call, you could be eligible. So that's a nice change Illinois made. Mm-hmm. Um, the other nice thing that they did is the IDES website, the Illinois department of economic security is the agency that administers unemployment benefits, does the hearings. Um, here's the appeals, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can post that one, I can give you that link when we're done, and you can post that to the webpage, because that's a really good one. Like, if it's not on the front page, then it's darn near close, where they have an emergency set of rules that they put in place for COVID that are up there, explaining basically this expanded definition of unemployment benefits. Again, unemployment is not designed to be a replacement for your job. It's not usually that much money. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not, it's not designed for that. It's just designed to help you get there. But with the extra $600 that's been added to it, you're at least in a position where you can get stuff more quickly. The definition of eligibility is a lot broader, and they're being a lot more lenient with people um, right now for good reason, just because people need it. And we're not in a place, to me anyway, and I think this was the governor's reasoning, or I would assume, it's better that a few people who shouldn't get it, get it, than we stop people who really need it with rules that don't make sense given what we're going through right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I don't know if that answers what you were asking about some good resources the government made available. Well,
0: but. yeah, every, all more information is always better than not enough, you know. Um, and so one of the things that, that kind of came to my mind while you were saying that um, for, for somebody that in that situation that you gave where an employer is forced to lay them off, but would be would would love to have them back on as soon as times are, you know, as soon as they're okay, um, what happens if that person gets laid off or furloughed or whatever they want to call it, um, and they get unemployment? Uh, they get they get approved, and then say, I don't know, uh, I don't I don't even I've never had unplo- unemployment before, so I don't know. I think doesn't it taper off over time? Isn't is there some? There's
1: sort a of- there's a maximum amount of weeks you can. You can get it for basically, so you can't okay. be unemployed for like years on end. Yeah, um, right, right, I, right. I, I think it's. Tw- I, you know what? I don't. It, the funny thing is, with all this going on, unemployment has never been a big focus of my practice. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember exact. I want to say it's 26 weeks, but truthfully, I can't remember offhand. So yeah, like it doesn't last forever. Um, unless they change the rules. You know, there are some rules right. and laws that like. Uh, the president, you know, the executive branch in the, at the federal level and at the state level, the governor yeah. has some wiggle room to do on their own. You hear a lot in sure. the news about executive orders, executive authority, executive authority just means, you know, the executive in that jurisdiction, in this case, the state, the governor, there are certain things he can do on his own, but there are certain things that the legislature has to do for him. He can't do it on his own. In other words, So they have to change a law.
0: Yeah. One, one thing that comes to mind and, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how legal this is, uh, but I know that there's a lot of people that are probably going to do this, which is they get unemployment and then they go and find a side job somewhere, whether it's cutting grasses or, you know, shoveling snow, however long this lasts, whatever they, they're going to do, whether they're going to DoorDash or they're going to do something like that. What happens then? What happens if they get that side, that gig job uh, and they had unemployment? That That's not allowed, is it?
1: Not if they get another full-time job, my memory of it. And again, I am not looking at this, but I think they want to encourage people to do stuff. So I think you can certify how many days in a week you, my memory of it, um, is you certify how many days in a given week you did or did not work. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, like if you're shoveling snow, okay, we're in May now, but we've had some snow days relative, you know, throughout April, <laughs> sure. I, I, you know, out at 6am with the puppy walking through it. So I know it happened.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I think there's still a way you could at least get some of that. Now, if you get another full-time job and you're double dipping, that's always been a risk. There's always been the possibility, whether in workers' compensation or with unemployment, if you're trying to double dip, you can be audited and they can claw that stuff back from you. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been the case before. That hasn't changed. My suspicion is there's just no way the government is going to have the resources to audit every single person who got unemployment benefits during this. And I don't know how – like everything else, just like you said, nobody has any idea how any of this is going to play out, how long it's going to go, what it's going to – what things just generally are going to look like when it's over. My suspicion is – and I'm not encouraging people to double dip, but I, I don't know how they would audit everybody who did that. Um, and yeah. I think people are desperate. People are doing whatever they need to do
0: and to me anyway. Yeah.
1: That's not, that's not a federal crime to me. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the law may say differently, but I, I don't think that's like a malicious thing. I think that's people are desperate and they're trying to help themselves.
0: Well, I hope the people writing the laws, uh, agree, uh, <laughs> because yeah, I mean, unemployment and you know, we don't know how long this is going to last, Everybody, I mean, it could last for as long as they let it, as long as they, you know, you never know, but, uh, it's, a uh, hopefully hopefully the system can handle what uh what it needs to handle what in your experience here what are some of the things that may break uh what systems in place that we have right now given a longer period of time protections and and like we're talking about right now like you know people got to do what they got to do what are some of the things that are first going to break how is the breakdown going to happen if that comes
1: you in in what
0: I don't know uh, so this don't, is
1: this is the lawyer in me being like, well, I hear your question, but let me like
0: well, let's, do you just
1: mean an employment law government generally?
0: Let's just uh let's let's take it away from uh you know the 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 degree and just just talk uh, just candidly. What, what do you think? I mean, just kind of your experience dealing with businesses and workers um and kind of the things that are that are you know available to them. What are some of the things that are going to run dry first? What are some of the things that they're going to say sorry, we don't have any more? We're not taking any new applicants. Sorry, you're not approved. We don't have the funds. What are some of the things that are going to break down first? What do you think?
1: I mean, frankly, it's going to be everything. I mean, you're already seeing our healthcare system buckle. I mean, that was already. Again, I know. I know healthcare is a politicized issue, but I think it's pretty common knowledge. Healthcare is real expensive, and there's a lot of sick people all the time who often can't afford care, which leads them to wait until it's an emergency. System was not designed. For this many people to be sick at once because you're you're seeing a trickle down effect, right? So it's not just that there are too many people, not enough respirators, not enough you know protective equipment. Well, who's going to the hospital or the doctor right now if you can help it? Right. Like, I, you know, I've had clients say, "Well, my kid's got a fever, but I really don't want to bring him into the hospital." I'm like, "The kid's had a fever for three days. I don't give it a choice." But it's like, if I go to the hospital, am I going to get sick? So I don't know. I think that's already broken. But yeah. beyond that. You know, unemployment insurance in the state is in a trust, basically, like there's a finite amount of money in there, like how unemployment benefits are doled out and dealt with, you know, is always with that in mind. That stuff may break um, pensions, like company pensions. I, to bring I, I don't that Yeah, I don't do ERISA work. ERISA is this one of the most complicated federal statutes on hand. There are lawyers whose entire practices go into that and they mm. still only touch the surface. Wow. But private companies with pensions, like if the company goes under only a certain portion of that is going to be protected. And most of the time, depending on that law, things like that. um, Just, I don't know, the administrative agencies that I deal with, like the Department of Human Rights or the EEOC, like they're backed up, they can't safely be in the office. Mm -hmm. So there's a finite, you know, you can only do so much stuff electronically when you're set up to do things on paper. Listen, our courts are basically not even moving right now. So the court systems have basically ground to a halt, at least at the state level. Yeah. Um, but county courts are, for the most part, with the exception of criminal and certain domestic emergencies and a few other things, they're not moving at all.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: the judicial system is basically ground to a halt. The healthcare system is pretty busted right now. Um, and the resources that people have... If the federal government doesn't at some point replenish the resources to the states, you're seeing it like in Kentucky, for example, I know that certain like Louisville had to start laying off public employees because they're not getting the tax revenue they used to get from businesses that did business, you know, sales taxes, whatever the government agencies get their money from so yeah. they can pave roads and keep their people working. All of that stuff is already starting to break. I don't think we need to wait to see it happen. I think it's breaking. It's just a question of how broken and how quickly and whether somebody's going to like catch it and try to put some of the pieces back together.
0: And who's going to do that? I, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, it's a very dark time and it's very uncharted water. Uh, so this is, um, it's going to get pretty rough for a lot of people.
1: Uh, yeah, it's already rough. And I mean, I think the other thing is you're hearing about this new aid package and, um, some politicians have been saying, well, we want to give immunity the game you're seeing is we want to give immunity to businesses if their workers – essentially like if their workers are forced to come back and start getting sick and dying, we don't want to get sued for it. Mm. And that's the that's the piece they want to trade. And like someone like me, I suppose a politician would say, oh, you're a trial lawyer. You're just interested in the money. OK, fine. But like I, I don't think it's a good thing that you have people being forced to effectively choose between eating
0: yeah, or getting
1: yeah. exposed. I mean so I don't know. I, it's a long answer. It's long-winded. It's a typical lawyer thing. I'm meandering, but that's, you know, that's it's, what I see it going. Well,
0: it's, it's a big, it's the, it's the question between the moral, the moral thought and and the rational thought kind of, you know, kind of what, what's going to, what, what can we do? What should we do? What's right? You know, and it's really crazy. Uh, for instance, um, you can maybe weigh on, weigh in on this a little bit too. We just heard uh, in Louisiana, what they're doing, I don't know if you've heard about this, but they're taking, uh, they laid, okay, so they laid off all the garbage uh, collectors, okay? They laid them off because they can't afford to pay their their wages. Uh, And what they did instead is they took prisoners. They took prisoners and they're having the prisoners work for $10 an hour, but they get, they, they, they say the wage is $10 an hour and then they give them one, They give them like 15% of that or 1.5 or some, some crazy number like that. And, uh, and, and now they do it, you know, and they go out and they do that work. And I, uh, that's, that's happened. It's already happened. It's, uh, it's happening right now as we speak. I think that that's going to happen in a lot more places. If, if nobody stops that from happening now, Uh, how does that, how does that wash? You know, what happens when, when, you know, when it's happening here, what do we do?
1: certainly feels icky, I'll say that much. Um, I mean, I don't actually think that's that. I mean, it's new in that capacity. I haven't heard it where they're actually paying them even that much. I think California, uh, for a long time, has used prisoners uh, as mandatory labor for firefighting, which, for wildfires, which, you know, say what you will about what got you into jail, but it's sort of like, not only are you behind bars, congratulations, you've earned the right to, at poverty wages, or not even real wages, or no wages, to get to go expose yourself to wildfires. Um, I mean, what it sounds like to me is a 13th Amendment violation. So 13th Amendment, uh, Civil Civil War ends, and you get – man, my con law professor would whack me on the head right now and my U.S. history teacher. I don't remember at what point in the game, but you get the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Um, 13th Amendment abolishes slavery, but you often have lawsuits brought on that grounds to say you are effectively using slave labor, mandatory work – you know, the chain gang, whatever you think, cool hand Luke, all that, like you are using slave labor to do X, Y, or Z. Right. I don't, I don't know if that would apply here. Um, I don't know if Louisiana has a state law about minimum wages applies to prisoners. And I I, quite frankly, off the top of my head, I don't even know under federal law, how that applies. Certainly feels pretty icky and it it does and problematic to me. It
0: feels very, very problematic, but also even besides the prisoners, you just laid off all these workers That right. Just because you could do it for cheaper.
1: Right. So well, and that's, and that's what you were getting, what we were getting at earlier, like anybody who has been itching to. So one of the things I've heard at the federal level is like, Oh, well we're not going to bail out States that have made poor employment decisions or poor spending decisions. But what I have read that to be between the lines, what I'm reading that as this is our chance to cut public pensions Um, And get out from under these obligations for people who didn't pay into Social Security, who paid into public pensions, went into public service knowing I'm going to be a garbage man, I'm going to be a this or a that. Um, Mm. I'm maybe going to make less, but I'm going to get a decent retirement. Well, you know, it just – I don't know. As as somebody who represents workers, I am always shocked but never surprised when people will use a crisis for – for ill-gotten gains, right? Like yeah. to, to, to profit off a crisis, like never, never let an opportunity to, to make a buck or to undercut things or to use this to squeeze people harder. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, that's history. That's human nature. I think you've always seen it. Unfortunately, that's who we are. That's our society. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it, it hasn't been, you know, we've, we've been living in a, in a, in a time where we've had so much plentiful resources and, and things. Sure. There's, there's always things that fall between the cracks and there's people that uh, are victimized, uh, but, we're seeing something uh where people that have always had it good they're all of a sudden now they're they're feeling they're feeling the burn uh i don't know i mean i don't even know where to go i don't even know where to go with this <laughs> because it's just it's just so sad it's ter- it's terrifying it's you know yeah. it's like uh what are you going to do and you know at some point you, you know uh, the the the, pe- the people that you're on their shoulders, the lowest level people. When those people are done, it just moves up. So everybody's screwed at this point. Uh, I don't I don't really have the answer. So um, you know, I guess let's try to stay positive. Um, All right, let's try to stay positive now. So you got it. Steve. Let's go back to the positivity part and say sure. that, for instance, this gets lifted in. Uh, I don't know where are we at now with the with the opening up, supposedly. Right. Um, I
1: honestly have no idea anymore. I, the yeah. news time days, everything runs together. Yeah. Um, I think there was what governor Pritzker put out what, like a five point plan for reopening, but I don't know what the, I, I think sometime in June, but I, I think don't. it,
0: yeah, I think it was supposed to be sometime in June. Um, now for restaurants, say for instance, okay. So I, I have, uh, you know, plenty of friends and, uh, you know, customers that, that are in this industry, uh, it's not mandated that you, I, well, it is mandated that you have to wear a mask. Okay. So how is that going to be? So, so nobody's providing the, these masks. Nobody's providing that stuff. There's no law saying that you have to provide these things. People are just scrounging for all this equipment and all the things that they need. Yeah. Um, but they're also, they are enforcing in some places that you have to wear the mask. So what happens if you're, you know, a uh, you know, a waitress or, uh, you know, a server or something, and you're in this place and, and they're not providing you the equipment or or the, nobody's providing the business the equipment. How does that play out? Have you heard anything about that legally? Is there any remedy for that? Or what do you think?
1: Remedy for the business or remedy for the... Um, for the
0: either, anybody. I mean, is so anything in the works.
1: The, so for the... For the server, for the worker, my lens. What's the old phrase like to a carpenter? Everything's, a, or to a hammer, everything looks like.
0: Everything looks like a nail. Yeah,
1: i I'm so I always mix up phrases. Like <laughs> you know, everything looks like a nail. I use that. I did that in front of a judge once. I said, you know, Your Honor, this is them trying to squeeze blood out of a rock. Yeah. And she goes, I think the phrase council is squeeze juice out of a turnip, but yours is much more colorful. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I guess I got the egg on my face then. But um, from the worker's perspective, that that goes back to what we talked about near the beginning. Like if you are being told go to work without the equipment or tough sucks, you know, do it yourself. Like we're talking about a workplace safety concern. Um, you know, from the business's perspective, that's a good question. I've started to see like my local hardware, I I live uh, on the North side of Chicago and there's a like, I, I always try to do, like, local businesses when I can. There's a cool sure. hardware store down the street from me, um, Clark Devon Hardware. I live in Andersonville. Okay. Um, and they're really good. I went and I had to go in there the other day because this COVID thing is just showing me just how incompetent and useless I am as a home, like, you know, keeping my house in one piece. So. Yeah, yeah. But um, they were really good. They were saying, though – like, I was just talking to the guy at the register through the glass shield, and we both got masks on and whatever. Um, they were selling not the uh, N95 – masks that like are certified but you know the the general surgical, surgical looking masks one. yeah and they said you know I was asking him I'm like so just I see you guys are starting to do masks it's just good sense he goes yeah uh you know it's what people need now and I said so he goes we're not getting Lysol however till like July that's what we're hearing when it's going to be available so I don't you know the answer that I have for you is I don't know I mean an answer would be the president could invoke uh the law that allows him to mandate certain industries produce some of this stuff. Uh so far I think the only way he's used it is to make meat processors go back to work or meat producers and their workers go back to work. Yeah. Um that would be a solution would be to for companies that are just sort of sitting there doing nothing to pay them obviously to to produce this stuff um and to have the state or federal government subsidize that. Um yeah. I'm not a tax lawyer. I assume it's equipment you could probably write off as a business though if you don't have any cash coming in the door you know, down the road write offs are sort of cold comfort. It's like, great. I'll write off, you know, what's half of zero,
0: right? Yeah, like right. we don't
1: have any income. Like, of course. um, you know, what, one thing that's been heartening, uh, I don't love reality TV, but my wife and I, my wife got me into a long time ago into top chef. And so that's one of our shows that we've been watching during all this. Sure. And I think it's been pretty cool. Like Tom Colicchio has been stumping for restaurants and whatnot. Um, I, I think it's been pretty nice to see a lot of the restaurants that we used to like to go to that we've been trying to help patronize. Um, Some of them have gotten really good about like their employees are wearing masks. They've got tables set up up front, like they're limiting one person in the restaurant at a time. So I like if if you want something positive and I don't, I don't think this answers your question, Steve, but it's it fine. has been really nice to see like how regular people have been trying on their own to pull together and oh, yeah. do this the right way like that as somebody who often is accused of being a pessimist, like that's one nice thing that, that I've seen.
0: I've seen, I've seen un, unbelievable things. I mean, uh, I'm working with the, the local chamber of commerce here, uh, to, to develop a, 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 um, a community website to, to kind of support local and, and, uh, you know, all that, and, you know, writing about local stories and helping people kind of get what they need, you know, uh, you know, c- you know, collectivize things together a little bit. Um, and, uh, and people are just, everybody wants to help. And, and it, I think that the positive of this is that we're all going through this together. And even though there are some, you know, people that are going to exploit this for their own gain, um, those people at the end of the day, most of the, most of the time, those people will come out into the light and they'll be exposed. But uh, I think that when we do get out of this, I think that when things start to kind of get a little bit better, everybody's going to realize, hey, you know what, we aren't so different. We all kind of, you know, <laughs> Um, we're, we're neighbors, you know, we're, we're, we're together. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to, it's going to kind of uh, uh, it'll be a positive thing if, if we can, if we can get through it. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's all you can hope for. Right. I mean, I don't really know, but I know that, uh, you know, it's people like you that will be there for the workers that are exploited and, and maybe, you know, taken advantage of, or, you know, have uh, people trying to, you know, just uh, game the system and let people go. Uh, So how can people get a hold of you? Uh, What is the best way to contact you? And what are some of the things that you uh, can help them with right out the gate?
1: So uh, our website, which is almost done, I'm going to give you the link. It's the garfinkel group.com. It's garfinkel group.com, I think. Um, Okay, you can post it at the bottom and it should be up and running. It's one of those things we've been working on that's just been slowed by COVID. Uh, the of people course. helping us with it. Absolutely. Like everything else. Yeah. But um, the National Employment Lawyers Association, uh, NILA, is uh, an organization of plaintiff side employment lawyers, um, people who do what I do. Uh, if you're in Illinois, I don't know it, what your stats are on who listens to this if you have a lot of out of state uh, people listening. but
0: Sure. Illinois. Why not? Let's, let's focus on Illinois. Let's focus.
1: Why not? Yeah. So NILA, Illinois, if you just Google it, um, it's a, it's a wonderful organization. I'm biased. I'm the vice president, uh, right now at the Illinois chapter, but, um, it's a really good organization. There are a lot of really good lawyers there. Um, and on our homepage, there's a find a lawyer section and there are also some free resources that, uh, our organization has to direct people to, to free resources. Um, there are a few free legal clinics. I know that have sprung up in the wake of COVID, although I can't off the top of my head think of them. But um, I'll give you, you know, that's our website. You can find me on Neela's website. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn um, and our, our website will be up and running soon. Um, and, and my contact information is always there. I'm always happy to talk to somebody. I very rarely charge for consultations. I really only do that when I'm reviewing like a severance agreement for someone. Okay. But if somebody's not sure, I am more than happy to try to find something I can do for them. If it's not a fixable problem, I'll be honest and I'll tell you that Um, if it's a problem that may be fixable, but not by me, I know a lot of really good lawyers that I am more than happy to send you to or, or organizations if it's a better fit for that. Sure. Um, And for business owners too, I'm actually happy to direct you in the right place too. I'm not, you know, I'm not like a war machine looking to destroy businesses. So like, I like to call myself a war machine. That might be cool. But, um, (laughs) uh, but But I'm more than happy to like send people in the right direction because I think at the end of the day, you're right. Most people want to do right. They're just trying to feed their family and get through this um, without losing their minds or dying of the illness. Um, I am more than happy to direct people in the right place. Um, You know, and I would just say to try to do your best for people. Look out for your neighbors. Look out for each other. Stay inside. Wash your hands. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, And if you have questions about what's happening to you or something feels icky, call me. I'm happy to help you.
0: I know you are. I know you are. And, uh, you, you're, uh, you're very, um, uh, you, you're very clear on the things that you, you can and can't do. I know that, I know that about you. you. Don't just say you can, Hey, I can help you. I can help you. So that's, uh, that's good. And, um, you know, for anybody that's, uh, that's looking for any, any type of advice, obviously, uh, uh, you can follow the link. We'll, we'll post that below so you can get into contact with Max and, um, hopefully, uh, get helped, uh, if it's possible. But, um, Is there anything, uh, that you want to leave the audience with? I know we've been doing it for a little bit here, but, um, is there any positive thing that you might want to leave us off with or, uh, any, any advice besides uh, what you just gave us, uh, before we go?
1: Um, that's a good question, man. You, you always find a way to stump me like it right at the end, uh, and come (laughs) up with something off the cuff. Way to go, Steve. No, uh. (laughs) Yeah, something positive. There are a lot of good people that are ready and willing to help. You know, if you're a worker who has been let go, um, whether it's me or somebody else in my organization, there are a lot of really good lawyers who are, their hearts are in the right place and they really do like, look, this is how I get paid. It's how I make my living. But one of the things I learned in law school was I was never going to be happy saving money for an insurance company or making a killing like helping a company dump sewage in the, in the local kitty, you know, lake or whatever. Like, so, um, all of us or most of us I would hope like really care about this and we care about people and mm-hmm. listen, that's your livelihood. Somebody messing with your livelihood is one of the worst things they can do to you. Yeah. And, uh, so whether, like, like I said, whether it's me or, or one of my brethren and sisters at Neely, Illinois, um, we are more than willing and ready to help people. Um, and if we can't help them to direct them to free resources where they exist, And, um, we're all going to get through this together. You know, let's just do our best, keep our heads down, um, stay safe and, and we'll get through it.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's a good place to leave it. Max, it's a real pleasure to have you on. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, we'll be talking again soon.
1: Thank you, Steve. The pleasure's all mine. You're a good dude.